preach as far as anything of deep theology or anything, but I can't preach very deep. I'm not deep. But uh, Mark chapter 15, Mark chapter 15, verse 33. This will sound very familiar. I thought as Janet was testifying, uh, I almost said preach, <laughs> but... Uh, but that was very good, and I thought about that, and not just something she said, but a couple other statements people made that led me to believe that this is the direction God would have me to go. So Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 33, please, uh, I know most of you are, be in prayer for my family. Uh, uh, the kids are still sick. Drew seems to be doing a lot better. He's got a, still got a horrible cough, uh, little Kenley. It's kind of coming and going. She did better yesterday, but as the day went on, she started feeling worse. And last night, she was kind of down again. And she wasn't exactly uh, jumping up and down this morning when I left. So, Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 33. Is everybody there? Just two verses this morning. A little bit different way uh, to look at this. But when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, which has been interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for this time together. And God, for this day that you've given us, for this opportunity that we have to call on you. Lord, you've blessed us so much, God, of so many things. And I thank you for salvation. I thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. And God, I pray that you give me the words needed for this time, Lord. I, I'm not anything, I'm not anybody. I can't do anything without you. So, God, I pray uh, that, Lord, that you use me as you see fit. Holy Spirit, I need your unction this morning. I need your power, God. And I pray that you touch hearts of anyone that's here or anyone that's watching or listening in any way, shape, or form this morning, God. Or do in the hearts of those that are here, God with what they need. You know, God, what they need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as I said, you heard testimony uh, in the Sunday school class. This verse was also mentioned. And I have preached on this text before. I've also preached it from Hebrews chapter 1 uh, when it talks about Jesus that by himself purged our sins. Uh, he's the only one that could. He went alone. Do you realize in the only time in eternity he's the only person that's ever been alone without God while on earth? you realize God's presence is here on earth with us? I know this is Satan's world, but his presence is still here. He's the only person that's ever walked the face of the earth at any time while here on earth was without God's presence while on the cross of Calvary at this time. Stop and think about that for a minute. Uh, we hear uh, some Bible stories a lot, and I'm afraid sometimes we grow callous to them, and, I, and I'm, uh, I hope not, but I think occasionally we do that with the cross. I think we grow callous to the cross, to what it was, what it meant, what it did for you and I and what it did to Jesus. We know we have the seven saints on the cross, and each one has a different meaning, each one a different context, a different purpose, a different reason. And... Uh, and I know that uh, each one has, has something for being there, and I want to preach on this one this morning. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about some, 
but I want to ask you some questions as I get started. And this is just a simple uh, subject message, just kind of straightforward. Uh, but uh, I'm sure all of us has been forsaken by someone in our lives. Somewhere, some along life's line, if you've lived any time at all beyond Ray and Remy, uh, uh, um, 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 Maddie, thank you, and uh, Riley, uh, you have been forsaken by somebody. Count on it. But I think sometimes certain people that forsake us is a little bit worse. I think the most painful forsaken you can have is either by a set of parents or your spouse. I think that would be the deepest hurt that you could, you could experience as far as someone forsaking you. Some of you in here, my heart goes out to you. Some of you have been adopted. And so you can relate to a forsaking of your birth parents different than I can. Or anybody else unless they've been through that. Some of you uh, maybe not were adopted, but you probably were forsaken in some ways by your parents of your life. And my heart goes out to you. Not everybody's home was good. Not everybody's home was right and perfect like it's supposed to be. And my heart breaks for people like that. But in saying all that, I don't think anyone has ever been forsaken the way that Jesus was here in this situation. Imagine someone so close to you that not only could you sometimes finish each other's sentences, but you knew exactly each other's thoughts without even asking. You knew how they felt about things without even asking. You were always in total 100% agreement. Do you understand that God and Jesus had never had a disagreement in eternity? Not one time had God looked at Jesus, Jesus, this is what I think, and Jesus said, I don't agree with that. Never had ever happened. That's how much uh, the love, the fellowship, the perfection of their relationship that it was. Uh, and, and this is how it was with Jesus and God and so much more than that. And this morning what I want to preach to you about is the reasons that Jesus was forsaken on the cross. So why was Jesus forsaken? If I was to ask you that this morning, what would be your answers? And again, if the title of this message this morning is Why Was Jesus Forsaken? And we could come up with a lot of reasons and I could go through the Bible and theologically and, and scripturally show you this, show you that, but I'm going to kind of bring it all down into three points and, and just kind of uh, bring it together just real simple-like and give you some ideas. Now, uh, if you've never heard of the Romans Road, you're going to throughout this message. And let me say this. I don't know the hearts of anybody that's here for sure. I look at each one of you and I hear your testimonies. I hear that you profess and proclaim Christianity as Christ is your Savior. But I can't see inside your heart and know exactly what's there. And I've said this before and I don't know why I'm going into this, but uh, like him, love him, or hate him, I think he kind of uh, went off the deep end there at last for different reasons. I won't get in a lot of detail and some of the people won't care for this comment very much, but uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but... Uh, I know there hasn't been an evangelist in our day, nothing like Billy Graham. I realize uh, many people were probably born through his uh, ministry, through what God did through him. And like I said, there at the end, he compromised on us a little bit, don't doubt it. But God used him mightily. No question. I won't argue with that, not even a little bit. And, and his old messages, if you listen to his messages some years ago, 
I've never heard no one preach the gospel like that man could. It is, it is mind-blowing to me how he could present the gospel. I mean, I, I'm in awe of him sometimes. Some of the messages I heard him preach. But in all the greatest things I heard him say, I think one of the most heartbreaking things I heard him say, he said if he had it to do all over again, he would not have done the crusades. He said, I was stayed in churches because they're full of lost people. I dare say that if you go by statistics, and I don't remember right off what they were, but they are staggering. I've heard as much as 90%. I don't know that I totally agree with that one. I've heard as much as 6% of church members, not attenders, members are lost that are not born again. Judging by those statistics, there's some of you sitting here this morning that you're not born again. You might think you are. You might halfway somewhat believe you are, but deep inside, I think people know something is not right. Now you can hide from me. You cannot admit it to me. Why I'm preaching this like this, I don't know, because this is not how I intended to preach it. But you ain't hiding from God. You can fool me, but you ain't fooling him. So let me get in this message. Let me try to preach this, but I'm trying to mind the Lord here. So why was he forsaken? Number one, he was forsaken because of our sins. Do you realize in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve forsook God in the Garden of Eden that when we as mankind have been forsaken him ever since. God said, here's my Ten Commandments, here's my target, you gotta hit that. None of us, no one has ever the face of the earth other than Jesus Christ has kept the law has managed to do everything right as I said many times he did not have to apologize for one thing he ever did or said the Bible says in Romans 3.23 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God that's everybody. That doesn't leave out anyone. It says, for all have sinned. Not just some, not just maybe. I've said many times that includes the Pope, the dope, and everybody in between. It leaves out nobody. So we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we got a problem on our hands. You see, because of that, fellowship was broken with God. Do you know Adam and Eve are the only people on earth that ever had to take a shower? You say, what are you talking about, preacher? They weren't decaying like you and I do. They weren't dying. Life was perfect. Do you know they're the only people that seen God in the flesh and lived? Face to face. No one else has ever accomplished that. They had everything right. They had everything perfect. But they were, Satan came along one day. He tempted Eve. She was deceived. Adam knew full well what he was doing. They sinned, and from that point forward, mankind has fell short of God. We are fallen into sin. We are born into sin. So you and I have the sin punishment on our life. You were born into it. You say, that's not fair. Well, it may not be, but that's the way God set it up. So you and I didn't get to give our opinion on it. And because of that, fellowship was broken with God. We cannot enter into his presence. We cannot enter in uh, to his throne room. So we have a problem on our hands. That is why the tabernacle was made. It was a foreshadowing of things to come. But even then, the priest could only enter in once a year. And that only by sacrifices of, of the animals could he do it. And then God should call the glory to come down on the mercy seat and meet with him just for a few minutes. And even at that... 
He had to have that censer in front of him with that smoke coming out of that censer of that incense of the altar. So there was still separation. He cannot go in behind that veil, but that once a year, one time a year, the priest got to go into the presence of God. Do you realize you and I, as, as regular people, we didn't even get that privilege under the Old Testament law because of the sin. So number one, the reason that God forsook Jesus was because on the cross of Calvary he became our sin for us. He died because of our sin. So God had to forsake him to let it, to give the sacrifice what it needed to be without God's presence at that time. Because you and I were without God's presence because of our sin. For the first time in eternity, fellowship was broken between the Father and the Son. They were no longer in communication together. For the first time, they come as close to disagreeing with each other as they could. And Jesus, I believe, let me give you a little bit of an interpretation. Let me try to make it a little bit more real for you. I believe in a lot of ways Jesus was saying, God, why have you left me here alone? I haven't done anything wrong. Father, why have you forsaken me? I didn't do anything wrong. I've done what you told me to do. And you've left me here on this cross. And at that time, God was not there with him. He was alone. Why? Because of our sin. Your, your sin and my sin. So you and I need to stop and think just a little bit about what we're doing sometimes in our sin. Let me say something. I don't want to get off into this too, too deep and too far and I'm, I'm trying not to belabor this point. God help me not to. But I'm kind of getting into point number two an awful lot here. <laughs> uh, that's okay. We'll skip through it quick. But we are saying, let, let me save that for later. Let me move on. I'll come back to that. Point number two. He was forsaken because of sentence. Death became because of sin and death was passed upon all men. So Jesus had to die in our place and be forsaken. Our sentence is death and hell. He took the sentence away from you and I and put it on himself. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but to get to be God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And by the way, every Christian in this room right now, if you can halfway read, if you've got any memory at all, you are without excuse for not having the Romans road memorized. Does that stink? It should. Because if somebody comes up to you and the God gives you a chance to witness to them, what are you going to tell them? Well, Jesus loves you. Thank God he does. But it takes more than that, friend. It takes the gospel. Do you have this memorized? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> Don't raise your hands. But I'd like to take a survey right now of all the churches throughout our country and say, who knows the Romans road? You don't have to have it memorized word for word, but you ought to be able to go down it as a Christian. Do you know why we're left here on earth once we're saved? Two reasons. And I got Bible to back up both of these. Number one is to bring honor and glory to God with everything we do in our life. Number two, 
spread, spread the word, spread the gospel. That is why we're left here. Otherwise, he would just call us home. Let me, let me get back to the message here and move on. He said, for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we have an emptiness inside of us that's left by the void of God in our lives. Jesus had to experience that for you and I to be the perfect sacrifice. Once fellowship was broken, once God's presence left Adam and Eve, and therefore mankind from that point forward, we became known as, we became sin, we became, as Satan put it, God's. We didn't become as gods, although we think we are. But we came to know good and evil. We knew then what it was to sin. We knew then what it was to do wrong. We knew all these things. So therefore, there's an emptiness because God's presence cannot live in sin. You and I have sin in our lives, so God's presence left us. We were without God's presence. So there's a void inside of man where God fits. I heard Cody, the first one I ever heard say it like this. I don't know if he came up with it or not, but I'm giving him credit for it. We have a God-sized hole in our heart and only God can fill it. That's it. And so man is trying to fill that void and emptiness with everything on earth except God Almighty. And what is sad is oftentimes Christians do the same thing to try to put God's presence in there with other things. It will not fit. Your void, your emptiness, you're sometimes uh, hurt as a Christian. You're sometimes loneliness and things. And sometimes God will leave us where we don't leave us, but he makes us think we're alone and we're not. So we'll learn to trust him in the hard times. So much of the time, Christians try to fill it with other things. Instead of taking time to pray and read our Bibles, we look at TV shows that we got no business watching. There's a lot of TV shows we don't watch anymore. We used to watch Survivor. I used to like that show. I quit watching because the very thing on it is called an immunity. Some of you carnal people know what I'm getting ready to say. Idol. Don't want y'all act like you don't know what it's called. Some of y'all watch Survivor. Don't look at me like you haven't. And God forbid if you watch soap operas. But we got all these reality shows we got movies we should not watch. Man, let me tell you, and I've got to watch myself. I've got to sometimes check myself in things that we watch sometimes, things that we see in movies. If there's nudity, we ought not be watching it. Man or woman. I mean, I could go on and on and on about these things. And, oh man, i got to get back to the message. I'm meddling. No, I'm not. <laughs> Some may say that. But we have a void inside of us that's left from God. It's lack of presence. So therefore, he was forsaken for our sins. Our sentence is death and our sentence is in eternity. You will not have the presence of God with you. God is not in hell. Hell and all of its sufferings are going to be beyond description, but I'm telling you, I believe one of the greatest sufferings in hell is going to be for the first time in people's lives when they enter into hell is they are without God's presence. Number three, and I'll try to get this wrapped up here. I didn't plan on preaching very long. He was forsaken because of our salvation. He was forsaken because of our sin, because of our sentence and our salvation. It took Jesus dying on the cross and suffering our hell for us to be saved. Romans 5 and 8, the next one in the Romans road says, but God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Let me read this next verse. Much more than been now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You don't have to memorize that one, but to verse eight you should. But God committed his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, we want to talk about proving your love to someone, tell somebody you love them. You show people you love them by proving it, by demonstrating that. God proved his love to us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because we cannot change that state. It cannot be changed until Jesus died and was forsaken by God and suffered our hell for you and I. Is everybody with me or did I make you mad? So somebody that loved us enough to take a beating and a humiliation like he did and died on the cross, should not we be a little bit more willing sometimes to do some things for him? That is why I say all Christians should know the Romans road and be ready to give an example and the, and, and the reason for salvation and tell somebody how to be saved because at any given time you will have that opportunity and friend, God is not going to suddenly zap you with his presence and with the right words. It doesn't work that way. I'll give you a little story real quick. I'm, I'm really trying to hurry. One of the times I went to one of the prisons was Brother Mike Blake. One of the prisons we got to go to, we went to, was up Salem, and it was the only prison we were allowed to do this. The warden was a Baptist pastor. And he made it clear that ministry was first and foremost in that prison. He gave us reign, full reign of that prison. We could go anywhere we wanted to go. We went back right into the pods with the prisoners. I couldn't go into their actual cell because the, the corrections officers couldn't see us, but I could stand at the door of his pod, him and his bunk, and talk to him face to face. We went right in there with him. I never felt in danger. I never felt scared or nervous, but one time, and I'll tell you, that's another story in itself. But uh, and even then, I wasn't really all that worried, but still... Uh, but one day I pulled up a tract that Brother Blake had and it had a good question on the front but it had a different scriptures for salvation than what I was used to. And I whipped that thing out and started talking to that boy about it and I turned it over and started reading that scripture because it was different than what I was used to. It totally threw me off. And I fumbled around just like I thought, this guy probably doesn't believe a word I'm saying because I don't sound like I believe it because I'm fumbling. You see, that shows again how well-rounded and how well-read and ready we need to be to give the gospel. And I talked to Mike about it. He said, I don't use the verses that's on that track because they're different. He said, I use the Romans road. Well, if you don't have it written down, then guess where it's got to be? Right there. And I could have reverted back to what I knew and should have. You see... It just doesn't always come easy and smoothly. You're fighting a battle right there at that time. Satan has got a hold of somebody. He doesn't want to see them saved. He can't defeat God, so he defeats God by defeating you and I. And he wants to get a hold of you and I. And he wants to keep us away from God. Once you're saved, he can't. your soul is lost. Your spirit is born again. But he wants to render you as useless as he possibly can. And keeping you home from church, keeping you out of the word of God, keeping you out of prayer is the way he does it. We find sometimes the flim flimsiest reasons to stay home from church. Well, I got to get ready for work. So do I. I better move on. 
Well, I got things I want to do. So, so well, I got things I want to do, and I want to be in church with around Jesus' peoples where I want to be. Lastly, on the Romans Road. How many can quote this with me? Romans 10 and 9. Can anybody quote that one? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth is made unto salvation, and with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. You should have those two verses memorized. The very next verse, or the 13, a couple verses down, says, For whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, the wages of sin is death to give to God is eternal to Jesus Christ our Lord. God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Let's try this one again, Romans 10 and 9 again. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Every Christian should know what I just quoted you. And I want to tell you something. You can look at me and get mad. You can get upset. You can get aggravated and say, Preacher, you have the right to attack me like that. How do you think it's going to feel when we stand for Jesus one day? And he says, I died for that. What do you want to answer him with? Most of us, the only excuse we're going to have is, I just didn't care. Because we ain't got nothing else. I mean, that's all we've got. Some of us, our memory don't work as good. You might be a little bit off the hook, but you can still tell somebody how you got saved. Lastly, and I'm done, we must come to God on His terms, not ours. It's not going to be any old way we want to. He was forsaken for our salvation. Don't you think you and I should forsake some things for Him? I know I could have preached this so different, but this is the way God gave it to me. Romans 5 and 1, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What this world offers you and I is only temporary at best. It never fully satisfies or does what we need and what we desire and what we've got to have. The Bible also tells us in Romans chapter 13, I think it's verse 5 or 3, if memory serves me right, uh, that he will never leave us nor... It also says in that verse to be content with such things as he have, for he will never leave us nor forsake us. You know, that contentment there goes a long ways. It'd be hard for me right now to look at Brother Dale and say, Dale, you need to be content where you're at right now. Your wife is laying there fighting for her life. But you be content. Oh, by the way, the Bible also says give thanks for everything. It's hard to look at someone who's lost a job and say be content. Give God thanks. You say, well, how can I give God thanks? Because He is in control when He sees where you're at. Did He do that? I don't know if He orchestrated or not, but I'll guarantee you He ain't uh, overwhelmed by it. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? I'm, I'll finish up right here. As when I said when I started, I think one of the 
greatest things in life hurts is to feel like somebody that you know, care about, and love forsakes you, turns their back on you, leaves you high and dry when you need them the most. I wonder how Jesus feels about us sometimes. Let me bring it down a little bit lower. When life is not going good, is he still God? When things aren't going the way you planned, is he still God? When you've been hurting, stoned, broken, felt rejected, felt forsaken, left out, someone did you wrong, uh, the, the, whatever, whatever you want to have, I don't care how you want to put it, the washing machine tore up and the money's gone, there's more month than there is bill, uh, more bills a month than there is money, yet is he still God? You know, those are the times when we want to forsake him sometimes. When things just don't go the way we want them. Somebody has said something about you or they didn't treat you like you think they should have. They didn't acknowledge you or give you a little bit of praise or thanks. They didn't notice what you did. Well, let me ask you a question. Who really matters, them or God? Because I'm going to tell you something. To the best of my ability as a pastor, I try my best to give attention to each person here. But I don't always do that and I'm going to fail at that at times. And I'm not going to always be there the way you need me to be. I'm not going to always come through like you need me to be because I am human. And I will mess up. I will hurt you. I will let you down. Not intentionally, but folks, it's just just reality of things. Same as you will me at times. But the bottom line is, God loves you and we ought never forsake Him because He will never forsake us because he was forsaken for you and I. He did it because of our sin. He did it because of our sentence of death and hell. And he did it for our salvation so we could have right fellowship with God. Do you understand what salvation brings us? Eternally, I am saved. Eternally speaking, my sins are taken care of. Earthly speaking, while I'm here and serving, they are not. Been saved lets me stand before a holy and a just God, but it does not give me a license to sin. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that, and nowhere have I ever preached that. Nor will I ever preach that. Bake on it. Our sins matter to God. And let me tell you something. They turn his stomach right now the same as they did 2,000 years ago. If you don't know what God thinks about your sins, look at the cross of Calvary. And I want every one of you in here to stop and give some thought to how you're living your life and the sins that you commit, the selfish acts that we all do when God tells us to do and we don't. When God tells us to don't and we do, and we all do it. And we just say, oh God will forgive me. He might forgive you. He will. According to the Bible, He will forgive you. What about the price you and others has got to pay because of your sins? The Bible plainly says in James, i got to look at somebody. When lust has conceived, it bringeth forth... We're close. Not quite there yet. When lust has conceived, it bringeth forth... Sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That is a guarantee every single time. There's death somewhere. And you and I had a hand in killing Jesus. Whether you want to admit it or not. 
Let me ask you a question. I ain't trying to sound mean, but church, we ought to clean our lives up a little bit sometimes. We ought not be so lazy and flippant about our sins. They ought to matter. God should matter more than He does to us. Too much of the time He doesn't. Let me ask you, are you willing to come and confess something to God that you was guilty of this week? You can't look at me and say, Preacher, I'm not guilty of anything. Well, then come and see me and I'll have a very personal one-on-one message for you. (laughs) Because the Bible says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And as long as you're in this flesh, you're going to sin. We're going to fall short of His glory. So tell you what I'm going to do. There's things I've done this week that I'm not proud of. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. Now don't look at me like, what'd you do, preacher? It's probably nowhere near as bad as you think. It may not be even as good as you think. It's between me and God. Same as your sins. The difference is, and I'm closing with this. I got to point at somebody. Your sins, 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 yours and yours and everybody in here affects everybody in this building. And it also affects God. My sins especially affects everybody in this building. But I'm going to tell you something. Yours can do as much hurt and harm as mine can. You can bring just as much of an ill spirit into this service as anybody. Let me ask you. Does it matter to you that Jesus was forsaken for you and I? First time that I know of anywhere in the history of the world that somebody is without the presence of God with them at that time. I don't know of any other time that happened. And he did that for you and I. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to kneel down here to this altar. I'm going to pray. You can do what you want. If you want to come to the altar, meet me here and pray and say, God, here's what I know I've been guilty of. You say, preacher, I can't think of anything. Well, let me challenge you. You come and ask him. I bet you he'll point some things out to you. Because he sure has me at times. Most time he didn't have to, Brother Cody. I already knew it. But there have been times I've been praying. And God has spoken to me and said, you're guilty of this. And I said, yes, Lord, you're right. And I'm sorry. Shut that thing off. If you're watching and God has spoken to you, you need to talk to him. But I'm going to kneel down and I'm going to pray. If you want to join me at the altar to pray, that's fine. If you can't kneel, sit in front of you, but I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer because I need to as much as anybody.